This is Friday, May 13th. I once read a little test used to see how aware a person is to what is happening where they live. You could call it an environmental awareness quiz. And it asks interesting questions. For example, what are the birds most common where you live? Which ones are native? And which ones are migratory? Or, what are the names of trees that are most prominent in your neighborhood? Or, what is the difference in time between the longest day of the year and the shortest day? Now you get the idea. They wanted to see how attuned people are to what is happening around them. Now most Americans do very poorly when asked these questions. In other words, we know very little about the world outside our homes. This tends to be quite true of Miami. We live in the city, and we do not know how it came to be, where the people came from. What we come to realize is that the more we come to know, the more we come to care. As you learn the names of birds, for example, in your backyard, you will look for them, and you will enjoy them. The things we have names for, we come to care for much more than the things we don't. One of the books I have enjoyed is entitled Landmarks by Robert McFarlane. The author did something extraordinary. He writes a chapter about each geographic area of his country, that's Britain. For example, there's a chapter on the marshlands. There's another chapter on the mountainscapes. There's one on the waterways. He describes that part of his country by seeing it through the eyes of someone that really loves it. And at the end of each chapter, he does something extraordinary. He provides a glossary gathering up the words from Gaelic, English, Welsh, and from numerous other languages that have been lost over time. He feels that if we come to know what to call things around us, we will come to care about them and love them. And this is what I have found with the people of Miami. Once I know more about the people of Cuba and their history, for example, I become thankful for them and their presence. Once I have learned why so many from Venezuela have come to Miami, I come to appreciate them. But we need to know these stories. We need to know who these people are. Now we pick up our text where we left off yesterday, the ending of our passage from Sunday, Acts chapter 8, verse 4 to 8. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Now this past Sunday we learned about the ministry of Philip. This chapter begins with Christians facing persecution in Jerusalem. After Stephen was stoned, the religious authorities initiated a crackdown on followers of Jesus. They did this because they were afraid the church would grow in numbers, and it had grown rapidly. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem, but many others ended up on the run. 
they began to settle cities all across Palestine. And wherever they went, they carried faith in Jesus with them. They continued to meet in their homes and share the word. Now we need to understand this. Their sharing of Jesus was not a program of door-to-door visiting. There was nothing really formal about it at all. It took place as believers opened up their homes and shared their lives. Today, we put a lot of stock in programs and methods, but that's now not how faith in Jesus advanced at first. It happened what you would call life on life, person to person. One of the most effective means was hospitality. For during those days, to invite someone into your home meant really inviting them into your life. They could see the way you lived close up, face to face, and person to person. You could share your story over meals and in friendship with them. Then as needs arose that others had by nature, you would seek ways to meet them, to assist the people that lived around you. You see, it was natural because they were already in your life. Sandy has read aloud to me on road trips, books through the years. One of the books she read was by Rosario Butterfield. It's entitled, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, Practicing Radically Ordinary Hospitality in Our Post-Christian World. Rosario explains the power of this ministry, of letting people see into your life and see into your story and ultimately into your heart. She and her husband, Ken, have people into their home for meals day after day, every week. Their home has become a hub of activity in their neighborhood, where people can get support, where needs can be met. As we read about Philip, we find this meeting of needs along with the sharing of the message of Jesus. He didn't start out to set out to start a new movement. Jesus had already done that. He simply shared the message of Jesus and then did did deeds in keeping with that message. And this is how slowly people in communities and then cities began to change. This is how the word of Jesus grew and advanced in the world. We like to take passages like this and make it sound like magic, but it wasn't. It was the presence of God among the people of God in homes and neighborhoods. And that is where wonderful things happen. We see it over and over again here in Miami. As you're praying about this, please know that it doesn't mean starting something big. It means starting something small with the few people God has placed around you. Let's pray. God of grace and mercy, cause us to draw deeply from your steadfast love Make your gospel known through the daily lives of your people. Teach us how to love our neighbors and how to make room in our lives for them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.